Ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Welcome to A Medic's Mind, the Christmas episode. That's right, it's Christmas time, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, I do have a story for you. It's a uh, blog read, and it's a story that I wrote the other day. It's my first venture into sort of fiction writing. Now, when I say fiction, the, the story that I've written is fiction, but it's based on true events. Um, there's a story that I heard back, uh, quite some time. I don't even know when exactly, but it's a story that takes place in world war one. And, uh, it was, uh, at Christmas time, I believe it was on Christmas day that this actually transpired. Um, I, I shamefully, I've not done enough research to tell you whether or not, uh, the, the events are as true as, as, as what I have, uh, sort of emulated in this story. But, uh, I, for my knowledge base, I believe it is a, a true story. Um, and essentially it's, it takes place on Christmas day and it is a, a story that is almost written from fiction. I mean, it, to think about world war one and the type of warfare that was going on on the Western front and how heinous that level of warfare was and the, the carnage being inflicted by both sides, uh, to, to think of this happening, uh, not only as a miracle, but, uh, also unfathomable as well. Um, as is the warfare itself, jeez. Uh, but the the story is as such. The story goes that on Christmas Day there was a ceasefire, an an unsanctioned, unscheduled uh, ceasefire amidst the troops on both sides, both the Germans and the Canadians, and that they actually came together at some section within no man's land, and they shared photographs together, they drank, uh, you know, tea, coffee, shared meals together. They they had a genuine ceasefire uh, on Christmas Day um, at some point during the uh, during the events of World War One, and um, with me struggling to uh, find Christmas spirit, I sat down at my computer. I opened up the laptop and I looked at the blank screen and I wanted to write something. And initially what I started writing was a, a true story. It was a story um, about what I remember from Christmas. And as I was reading what I was writing, it was just really depressing. And uh, I don't want I don't want everything I write to be depressing. I don't want it all to come out that way. And so I said, you know what? I'm I'm going to tell this story, but I'm going to I'm going to tell it. In, in sort of a fiction way, because I don't know any of the names of the people involved in that. So I, I decided to just kind of make up some names. I, I interjected some names of people that I know to make the story more personal to me, because I, I generally don't write fiction. So I had to try and extrapolate from feelings that I had within and transpose them onto the sort of the lexicological journey that I'm, I'm about to take you guys on. Um, it's, it's, uh, uh, it is a fiction piece. It takes place at Christmas time. It, it is based in, uh, on that story that I just told you about. Um, and uh, yeah, this is my first time writing fiction. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, um, and I hope that you take something from it. Well, I don't know what that could be, but I hope you take something, anything uh, from it. So with that said, 
No further ado, let's get into it. I have called this story, very appropriately, a Christmas story. And it's coming up next. was the night before Christmas, and although the night sky was clear and the horizon silent, his thoughts were alive and clattering with memories of home. He remembered his mother's fresh bread slowly rising while he and his sisters sat impatiently waiting for the eventual feast around the crooked wooden table of their home. He could hear his mother's voice. It said, Aiden, don't go, please, my boy. But Aiden had to leave. It was his sworn duty. He didn't ask for the war, but he didn't hide from it either. His childhood friend, Colin, had signed the paper before he had. Sadly, before Aiden was able to complete his basic training, he learned that Colin had died on the Western Front sometime in May. The war suddenly became more than just a smudged headline that boasted from the rustic fibers of a newspaper. Aiden's mother begged her youngest boy not to leave, but she knew that he had to, that he wanted to. So... She sequestered her protestations to a reticent corner of her weary mind, leaned in, and kissed her baby boy on the cheek before he boarded that train on that cold, crisp autumn morning. A few fleeting months later, and Aiden was now where Colin had been, the Western Front, a patch of land that had been anathematized by craterous cutouts from a monotony of cacophonous shelling gifted to Mother Earth from both warring sides. Aiden's home had become a laceration into the landscape that was barely arm's width. He lived slept, dined, and bathed in the mud. In the mornings, the mud had crusted over by a thin layer of blood-stained ice. He hadn't seen the natural color of his nail beds in what felt like forever. This goddamn mud is fucking cold, he would think to himself on each passing day. On this day, Christmas Eve, he was on sentry duty. This meant having to sit in an uncomfortable makeshift pillbox comprised of craggy wooden sticks and stone held together by... You guessed it. More mud. He was also a ways from the living quarters of the trench. In an attempt at keeping the smell of rotting death off of their food and shell scrapes, they moved as many bodies and parts of bodies to one section of the trench. Currently, his section. Behind him lay a staggering stack of unfortunate souls that days earlier had lived, laughed, loved, and were loved. Now, they were sometimes used as cover when the enemy threw staccatos of machine gun fire across no man's land. If you weren't careful, one of those indiscriminate metal projectiles would clip you. Maybe even kill you. Aiden became skilled at moving quickly with his head down while ensuring not to bob up and down like those indolent bankers on Bay Street. There wasn't much room to move in the trenches, so you had to plan your routes accordingly. Aiden cast concentrated gapes across the desolate graveyard of no man's land scanning for enemy movement. Sometimes, when tired enough, the shadows began to dance in the form of enemy silhouettes, causing some soldiers to open fire at nothing at all. Aiden couldn't help but think of home, and then find rage at the juxtaposition of his thought versus reality. All around him were skeletal frames of wounded trees, twisted razor wire, and corpses of man and horse laying side by side. 
equals in death, he thought. A sadness creeped along the bony prominence of his spine before bleeding into his thoughts. He thought of Colin. Was he out there? Somewhere amidst all this madness? Was he too lain beneath a blanket of decaying mud and sinew? Where are you, dear friend? When his eyes began to burn, he knew that he was about to cry. So, with stoic disposition of a soldier, he shifted his thoughts to someplace else. Home. He thought of his sister Sandra, wondered if she and James had gotten married yet. He was still awaiting letters from home. He thought of Liza. She was supposed to start school soon after he left for Europe. He thought of his mom, his dear, worrisome mom. He hoped that she was doing okay. He also thought of warmer days. There was a heavy and unnerving chill that saturated the battlefield. The winter had been unforgiving thus far, almost as if Mother Earth was voicing her contention towards current affairs. Not much they could do, though. Neither side was willing to give in. Too much was at stake. Some more men would die. This, for certain. As he rested his aching forearms against a patch of freezing dirt, pointing his weapon ominously towards the enemy in the ethereal distance, he could see that the sky had began to let loose the ash of winter with a crescendo of falling snow. With enough snow, maybe the mud and the dead would be hidden. Maybe this place could be beautiful, he thought. As he was about to pull his gaze from the front and search for his crackers, he heard a faint sound sneak in from the far distance. His neck froze in rigid tension, his eyes refused to blink, his ears perked back like a cat waiting to pounce. He opened his mouth and dropped his jaw slightly so as to allow for more sound to enter his frostbitten ears. Was that the enemy? Are they getting ready to attack? What was that? It sounded like... It sounded like... Ah, uh, couldn't be. After several moments of nothing but dead air and groaning trees, he began to feel as though what he had heard was a fabrication of a tired mind. He began to relax his shoulders, and no sooner after doing so, the sound pierced through the open space of no man's land and slapped his ears once more. It was clear this time. He could hear it plain as day, but what he was hearing made no sense to him. Because of this, he began to question his own sanity and grasp of reality. He pushed some skin of his inner cheek between his upper and lower teeth and began to clench down so as to induce pain. He wanted to know if he had fallen asleep while on guard. He hadn't. What he was hearing was really happening. Not visible to the naked eye, but unremarkably clear to the ear. Men singing. Softly, subtly, and calmly, men were singing. But not just men. Germans. Aiden was now joined by a section commander. He too had heard the obfuscating chorus of German voices. Perhaps more shocking and unsettling was the fact that the subtle little tune being orated physically into the air was a familiar one to the boys of the West. Sir, that sounds like... like Silent Night. The officer said nothing, but it was obvious that he heard it too. Aiden looked around him to see that many more soldiers had joined him in his position. Private, how long has this been going on for? Sir, I just started to hear it now. I, I thought I was hearing things. You are... We all are, the officer replied. The clamoring voices did not sound threatening nor sinister, Aiden thought. He would never voice it aloud and would only admit it years later to his wife before she passed, but it sounded almost comforting, beautiful, and warm. The gaggle of apprehensive allies stood in place, listening as the singing continued without end. There was no protocol nor strategy when dealing with angelic enemies. 
from privates to majors, they all stood like statues with expressions of disbelief. That disbelief only intensified when another voice broke into song, a voice much closer and more recognizable to them, the voice of their chaplain, Captain William Guy. His voice started in a low, soothing baritone before ascending into alto. All heads turned while their bodies remained cemented into place. They watched in amazement as the captain joined in with the far-off distant hymn of the enemy. He stopped singing after one part. So too had the Germans. There was a silence that seemed uncomfortable and lasting. That was, of course, until the chaplain's voice rhythmically bellowed once more in continuation of the Christmas tune. Only now, the chaplain was no longer stood within the relative safety of the trenches. To the horror and cries of the non-commissioned and officers alike, the chaplain was standing upright and tall above the trench line. He was fully exposed and could be hit with sniper fire so easily from that position that even a blind German would have killed him. He continued singing louder and louder so as to drown out the desperate pleas of his fellow brothers in arms. He just ignored them and kept belting out the words. So All of a sudden, the frantic and competing voices of all the other soldiers were shh by another veteran officer. The protesting voices died down, and to everyone's surprise, off in the distance, the Germans could be heard singing once more. They had joined in with the chaplain. Aiden looked past the falling flakes of the sky and tried to see where, if anywhere, the Germans might be. Holy shit! Cap, look! Aiden shouted while pointing outward from his position. The wide-eyed gaze of the other soldiers followed the direction of his pointed fingers, and as if to defy reason and logic, off in the distance, a blue-haced silhouette of what appeared to be a lone German soldier, standing above his own trench line, there, chaplain. Amid slight, somewhat less boisterous appeal, the chaplain began walking across the wounded lands towards the shadowy singer. The soldiers watched as the figures neared one another and collectively gasped in absolute disbelief when the once-shadow man met with the chaplain and they exchanged in an embrace of peace to one another. They were hugging. Aiden couldn't believe it. Neither could anyone else. What followed next was almost just as surreal. More soldiers from either side began melting away from the security of their respective trenches. On a cold, snowy Christmas Eve day, east and west, German and ally met man to man, top of a land designed for no human to stand. They embraced one another as brother, they shared coffee, tea, chocolates, and stories of home with one another. They learned that their enemies looked just like themselves. On that day on the Western Front, the loudest sound that could be heard was the collectively euphonious sounds of song. It rang through the air and trundled the top of the land, bellowing, And that, my friends, is a Christmas story. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining me on that uh, blog read. It's uh, over at emeticsmind.com, so you can go read it there if you want. Um, I 
I enjoyed writing that because, uh, I mean, being in the army, I, I know how to write military uh, or things about the military. Um, you know, for instance, what it's like to be extremely uncomfortable because <laughs> the military is great at making you feel uncomfortable. If they if you go to the recruiting center and say, do you like camping? Don't say yes, because it's not camping in the army. <laughs> it's just not. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. The army is a great time, but it does come with some... Uh, definite uncomfortability warnings um but I, I enjoyed writing it because it was a it was a stretch from what i normally write and it was also well it was also kind of christmasy in the fact that uh it it it, it i don't know it, it it took a really terrible situation that actually happened in real life but it it, uh, it had sort of that christmas flair of of miracality to it if that's a word miracality yeah let's call that a matism. When I make up words, let's call it a madism. From now, from this day going forward, every time I make up a word, it's called a madism. Okay, and then and then that way I can't be lambasted by uh, no pun intended grammar Nazis for <laughs> for mispronunciating or just completely interjecting creating new words. Uh, but anyway, yeah, thanks for listening to that post. I, uh, I'm going to go now. I'm going to go and enjoy the rest of my Christmas day. It's snowing a little bit. The flakes are falling from the sky. It looks really beautiful out. I'm going to get dressed here and go for a walk and see if there's any places to grab a coffee. If not, then I'm just going to enjoy the outside and, uh, I'll make a tea when I get back home. Anyway, guys, thanks so much. Uh, thanks for joining me at the later part of the year here from November to now. Uh, I'm hoping to continue this as I as I go forward uh, this next year. Um, it's also a year, um, you know, with some some potential uh, hurdles and challenges ahead of me. Um, but I feel optimistic that I have the obduridity to face them and remain healthy. So that, and then with this avenue as well, this avenue of uh, podcasting. By the way, just uh, to throw it out there, I bought a new uh, piece of hardware for my uh, my mixer here, which means I can now take phone calls. So the interview you heard with my my, my bro Sean, uh, bro talk. There's going to be more of that. However, I will not have to boost anything in post. That means I won't have to go in after the recording and try and raise his volume. I actually bought a dedicated. Uh, quarter inch uh, adapter for my RCA to plug in and anyway long story short now when people call in it's more like a radio station they they can phone in and I can control their volume just based on the dial here so it'll sound like they're on the phone and uh, you'll hear my audio the way you do now but it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot clearer their volume's going to be a lot louder it's going to be great uh, I've reached out to uh, a friend of mine already uh, and we're going to be doing uh, some time in the new year when things settle down and uh, kind of come back to some normalcy um, for uh, for him. We are going to get together and have a like a quasi interview. Uh, he's going to record, I think, and I'm going to record. Uh, and it's uh, you know I'm going to pl- I'm definitely playing it on my podcast, so uh, he's he's down for it, and I think that's pretty exciting. So that's to look forward to in the new year. But I want to thank you guys for supporting me in the latter part of this year because there were some nights and some times that I really needed it. And especially around Christmas time, it's been pretty tough for me. And you guys have really helped out. And I mean that wholeheartedly and with the utmost sincerity. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to all of you. And I wish you nothing but the best going forward in 2018. Or 2019. We just finished 2018. I, I'm going to go before I say something else just completely retarded. And uh, on that note, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Take care of yourselves.